Hey friends, welcome into another episode of Dirt Tracker Conversations. Atomic Speedway has been a fixture of the Ohio dirt racing scene for a very long time, and as of late 2021, the track has a new owner. Charlie Vest has come in, take control of the racetrack, he's a businessman, he's got a motorsports background, and he's hit the ground running. For 2022, the track has a massive schedule that includes just about every major dirt racing series in the country, including the World of Outlaws, Lucas, USAC, the All-Stars, you name it, it's going to be at Atomic Speedway this season. Charlie joins me to talk about acquiring the Speedway, his own background in motorsports, racing sprint cars, and what his future plans look like for the racetrack. It's a solid about 40 minutes uh, here with Charlie, so please enjoy the episode. A lot of stuff happening at Atomic Speedway this year. Your guys' schedule is insane. Like, I mean, you, you literally have every big dirt racing series coming through Atomic this year, but uh, you are a relatively new owner at the racetrack. So tell me the story of you getting involved in Atomic. And, and actually, I was just looking through my own website. I have a ton of stats and stuff, and you're in my website as a sprint car racer uh, for <laughs> some of the stuff you've done. But, but tell me the story about acquiring the racetrack here in the last couple of months. Um. Well, it all started. It's uh, it's pretty crazy because I actually grew up in uh, and around the track, and it's a uh, uh, it's a kind of a, a very country atmosphere out around the, the speedway is a good way to put it. And I grew up listening to the, the cars, and we used to go to the track, and and I would say really one of the first people that really kind of inspired my love for not just I mean I was always a kid playing with Hot Wheels and Matchbox and you know making all the crazy sounds and doing the whole deal, but uh, we didn't, we didn't, I didn't have the money to race when I was, was little, but I remember going to the track. Uh, but I saw Jeff Gordon atomic one was one of the few tracks. I think one of the three in the country at the time that would let him race at like 14 and 15. So Jeff would come to atomic and just walk the dog. I mean, it was awesome, you know, to see, you know, what he could do, you know, and I would have been, you know, seven, eight, nine years old, however old that was. And, and I remember being like, wow, like that's, that's awesome. I want to do that. And, uh, and it was great. It was great, you know, growing up out in the hills and uh, you have a completely different perspective, I think, uh, when you come from uh, not much. Um, so that when you do get to the point of where you're lucky enough to, to be in motorsports, uh, you just have a different appreciation for them because it's, uh, as you know, being around the cup world, very expensive. And it doesn't matter what level of racing you do. It's insanely expensive. Um, and the only difference between the race car and the racetrack is uh, the racetrack eats every day. You know, I can I can put the sprint cars in the corner of the shop, leave them there. They're fine. You know, they they'll they'll collect dust for me. But outside of that, they don't cost me anything. Uh, not the racetrack. I mean, it, it wakes up every day and and it's hungry. So um, it's uh, that was kind of when I, I my first racing venture was um, I was lucky enough in business to get to the point of where when I wanted to start racing, I had the funds and. Um, I literally did like, there was a racing school at Lakeland Speedway. Cause I, I lived in central Florida for almost 20 years and I didn't know what to do about racing. I didn't know how to start. I knew I loved it. I knew I wanted to be a part of it. Um, I just was never fortunate enough to, to do anything about it. Um, you know, went to a racing school, you know, tried to buy the racing school. Like I, I didn't know what to do. I was just all over the place. I had more money than brains at that point. And, uh, you know, I just, I knew I wanted to be involved. I didn't know what to do. And so basically um, I, um, I'm trying to, we ended up starting a deal and started doing like driver development, leasing race cars and got real heavy in the late model, um, 
scene there in Central Florida. I uh, had a really successful company. I partnered up with a guy that was super talented when it comes to like setting up race cars. And we had a Penske shop deal, which, you know, at the point I didn't even know what, you know, I'm like Penske, they, they were in trucks. Like, what do they, what do they know about race cars? That's how <laughs> stupid I was. I mean, I was completely ignorant. Um, and then we just came up, we had, uh, we had a great family that came in that we did development for that moved up through the ranks, uh, which then helped me. I was spotting for, you know, Arca and trucks and, you know, ended up, you know, kind of just working my way through and ended up owning a truck team, ended up racing trucks, racing Arca, um, swore I would never come back to Ohio. Uh, there was no way I would ever move back to this place. Um, my daughter was born in 2011 and, uh, I'll be damned. I was back in Ohio in 2012. So, um, I'd always, you know, I love racing. It's awesome. Uh, it was kind of weird coming from the, the asphalt world and then trying to bounce into the, the dirt world. Um, because I really, I mean, I do have the sprint car, but I, I absolutely suck. Um, but I plan to not suck soon, I hope. Um, but uh, I got really lucky. Andy Hillenberg is a friend of mine and he referred me to a guy by the name of Danny Smith. And so, um, it was kind of funny. I, this is how dumb I am. You know, I met Danny Smith, couldn't tell you what he looked like. I actually walked in and shook hands with his crew chief, thought that was Danny Smith. Like I'm, I was a moron, but uh, Danny has helped me a lot. I have a lot of the local guys that have helped. And it's kind of cool that 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 sprint car group is is kind of a tight little social network. Like they um, they really do look out for each other. I mean, they they go at it. They're 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 on the ball and, you know, they're super competitive. I mean, I'm sure you, you know, probably even way better than I do. But, man, it's crazy, especially in Ohio. Like you're work, you're racing with some of the best guys in the world just on a weekly basis. You know, what I mean, like. You know, I got to know guys like Jack Hoddenshield and, and Todd Kane and, you know, all these guys. And I think we take it for granted because they, you know, they just come to Atomic and race and hang out. And you're like, oh, yeah, you know, I raced with that guy. Well, you know, Danny Smith, he's a Hall of Famer. You know what I mean? And he just hangs out. You know, I stop at his shop and, you know, get fuel or whatever. Um, so it's tough when you get to the track because, you know, I was used to winning. Uh, I won the second race I was ever in that I ever raced uh, in a late model. And I'm lucky to get out of a freaking B main in the sprint car. So I don't like it. Um, I, I mean, I love it, but I don't like not being as competitive, you know, as I was in the other ranks. I, the uh, first dirt Arca race I ever ran was in one of Hillenburg's cars and I finished like eight and it was insane. I was like, all right, that's it. I'm going dirt racing. It's awesome, man. You have no idea. Like these cars, it was funny. I, I uh, heard an interview that Kyle Larson did uh, with Dale Jr. Download. And he completely summarized what I do. And he was making fun of all the guys that go to the Chili Bowl. You know, you're talking about indie guys and all that. I mean, guys that are super, super successful. Um, but he's just laughing at them because they're just cranking on a wheel. That's me, man. Like, I'm I'm sawing logs and and I have no idea what I'm doing. But, you know, it's a blast. And, and I'm trying to learn and, um, and, and take the steps necessary to get better. Um, and, you know, that's kind of how we did it. And um, I got involved. Uh, with the track, the the previous owner, I actually went to high school with and graduated with, and he, um, you know, they were kind of in a transitional period and, and the gentleman that came in that was a partner with him, you know, it just kind of come together there, you know, uh, in the fall last year in August. And, you know, I came and was helping with the track a little bit, doing some things. And, you know, before, before you know it, we're, we're coming on as the primary and, and, and really kind of, I'm trying to utilize the contacts that I made in North Carolina um, that really uh, takes the track from 
just a, a short track. Uh, Atomic is by far anything but just a short track. I mean, you know, the, the world's fastest three mile dirt track, you know, it had that tag for a long time for a reason. It is bad fast. I mean, this place smokes and it's crazy. And I think Stuart and, you know, everybody still comes to the track with Larson and Stuart and they'll tell you it's, it can be highly technical. And now that we've smoothed the surface out, it's, it's the real deal. I mean, you gotta, you gotta have your A game when you come and race an atomic. Um, so, you know, it just came to be and then the opportunity arose and, um, you know, we took it and that's why we were so aggressive with the schedule. Uh, everybody thinks that it was probably just my, uh, rookie ignorance that did it. Uh, but it's not, uh, there's actually, uh, I'm a technology guy. That's where I made my money. And that's what I kind of lean on for business. And, uh, there was a lot of, uh, analytics that goes into building the schedule. Uh, and I, and I think we have, I think we have a good package and I think our plan, we're going to get rain outs and we're going to have all the things that everybody has, uh, and then we'll stack it and we're going to have, we're doing some things to speed our schedule along. So if there are times when we have rain outs and we've got to go to the next week and take that, that, that premier race from that evening, uh, we'll stack it on top of the next week. Uh, and if we have to run four or five classes, it's, it's funny because I, I did a thing and went to Boyd's and went to some other tracks and in, in the South, you know, they run seven or eight classes on a night. You do that in the Midwest and they are going to burn your place to the ground. Yeah. Like, you know, they want, they want three to four races. You better have sprint cars and late models on the same night and, you know, blah, 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 blah. And they want to be out of there. They want to walk in at seven, be done by eight you know, home for dinner at nine. I'm like, mm, that's a, that's a great idea. Uh, that just doesn't pay the bills. So, um, and that's kind of what we've done. We've diversified the classes a little bit. Uh, we've added some, not so I can run six classes, but so we could always run four. And then some of our classes that are more kind of economy classes, like our sport mods and sport compacts and 305s and that stuff, we alternate them so that they'll run, you know, a couple of weeks and get a week off, either regroup or go race somewhere else. I'm, I'm a big fan of the tracks. Uh, we did something pretty cool this year uh, with the tracks getting together on some rules of one of our economy classes. So kind of went on a rant there about the whole deal, but uh, it was kind of a long, cumbersome story. So hopefully I covered the basis on the whole thing. Yeah, for sure. As somebody that has kind of the the breadth and depth of motorsports experience that you have, you know probably better than most how difficult the track business is. So why is that something that's appealing to you at this point to get into the track business? Um. Uh, maybe I'm a martyr. Maybe I'm a glutton for punishment. Um, I, I'm not real fearful of challenge, to be honest with you. Um, and uh, I'll tell you what really, what really did it was the the people at the track. Um, there's a gentleman there that is like my third cousin, and he has been there for over 30 years. His name is Jeff Hogan. This track can take care of itself. It's got people that believe in the track, whether I'm the owner, whether Jim Neer's the owner, whether, you know, all the people in the past, not that anyone ever did a bad job or anyone's wrong, but the, the group of people, the community believe in this racetrack. And as long as I don't screw it up and I give them the tools necessary to succeed, um, I saw that as an opportunity um, to hopefully, you know, and that's why having the outlaws and the all-stars, the big block modifieds, like who would ever guess that? I brought the big block modifieds because I think they're freaking cool. You know what I mean? Like I, I watch them, you know, we went to Charlotte, we went here and went there. That's a great group. Now is it going to cost us a little money? Cause I've got to bring in, you know, and run sprint cars with them just to make sure I get a, a front gate. Yes. But I'm hoping when people see these big block modifieds are begging to have them back. Um, so, you know, I, 
I believe in the track and the people. There are multiple people at our racetrack that have been there for years. I mean, we have um, a lady that is a scorer and she's been there for 30 years. You know what I mean? We have Mike Goins. He's a, a local Hall of Fame announcer. You know, he believes in the racetrack. There's so many of these guys that have been there through and through. It doesn't matter who's here, who's doing what. The, the track itself can succeed. And, and I don't see it as me coming in and, and having to change everything. I just have to do everything in my power, use my resources to give them the tools. Um, I said at the beginning, and I think some people took it the wrong way when I said to the next level, I think people are maybe kind of getting what I meant by that now. Like, I don't want it just to be a local or regional track. I want it to be a national track. You know what I mean? I want people to know about the track. And then it, it's my job to do and utilize the things that, that I know, um, to get that crazy schedule. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, our, our, you're right. Our schedule is absolutely freaking insane. Absolutely insane. So my job now is to get, I can't just crush that, you know, thousand or 1100 people that we get every week. You know what I mean? I've got to bring in more crowd. I've got to bring in, um, you know, I, I don't want to, you know, I got to be careful with my words when I say it, but when I say diverse, I mean that from all different levels of, of diversity. You know what I mean? There's, there's, there's local racing. Sometimes I think it's a bad rap or, and it kind of gets judged, uh, unfairly on the people that come to the racetrack. And I don't think that's fair. And I want to prove to everybody that it's not fair. And that's why we're bringing in, you know, big, big name concerts and monster truck shows. I got to show people that don't normally come to the track that this is an entertainment venue that's worthy of your dollar and it's worthy of your attention. Um, and I've got the staff that's been waiting to prove it. And, and that's, that's why we do it. I believe, I believe in the track and I believe in the staff and, and that's, that's kind of why we did it. I know you guys are making a ton of improvements and, and I would like you to run through kind of all the different things you've done, but when you take ownership of the track too, it, was there like a period where you kind of wanted to just see things and then, then you decide on what you want to fix or did you know coming in the things that you wanted to make better there? I didn't know anything. I was an idiot. I mean, honestly, I was just, uh, um, the first, uh, when we took over, I told everybody and everybody had a real hard time with this cause they would ask me over and over. And I was almost like, God, like how many times am I going to answer the same question? I did nothing. I changed nothing. You know, we honored the points from last year. We ran, even if they were procedures that I wasn't sure about or, or didn't really know about, we ran them because at the very least, our job, I think as owners and promoters is you got to have continuity. You have to have continuity in what you're doing because the racers, when you change the rules, they lose their freaking minds. Mm -hmm. uh, and I get that because you spend a lot of money and you build your, your program around those rules. And then when somebody changes them in the middle of the season, it may completely jack you up. You know what I mean? It may make it so hard. And if you're already stretching the dollar, oh, and by the way, now you have to have another $400 part and take that other part off. That, that doesn't go very well, especially with local racing. You know what I mean? And, 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 I'm not trying to run out the local racers just because I bring in the national, the national series want the, you know, the local guys, they need everyone's support. So, um, I did nothing. And, uh, I really, um, sorry, I'm not sure if you're still there. I'd, uh, call, yeah, I got you. Come through. <laughs> so, um, so basically I, um, I did nothing but watch. And that's why I really believe in the staff that's there now because, I did nothing. I mean, I, I honestly just sat back and watched and asked a lot of questions. And I think anybody that goes into business or takes over a business, unless they're highly familiar with the industry or something, um, I, I think that's something everybody knew. And I observed. I observed from August on. Um, unless it was safety, I don't 
I didn't care. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm like, Hey, this is how we work. This is how we function. This is what you're used to. This is what the racers want. This is what everybody needs. Uh, let's do it this way. And, um, and, and that's how I did it. So, and the whole time I'm taking notes and I'm making, you know, I'm like, Hey, I think it would be cool for this. And I think it'd be cool for that. And maybe we should this. But then again, I went back to that staff that I told you to have so much confidence in said, Hey, what do you think about this? Or what do you think about that? You know, there's a lot of things they said, but well, you can't because, you know, we've tried this or we've tried that, um, you know, rethink and, and because they, they're the ones that have the knowledge and the experience. And I have to lean on them, you know, to tell me, you know, whether or not I'm making a rule that puts us in a rabbit hole, you know, that we can't get back out of. And, and that's what I did. So everything that I'm doing is really more resource-based. Um, and, you know, I'll ask the question, how do we speed up a show? You know what I mean? Like, what are we doing? Like, how can we make this faster? Well, between every feature, we, you know, stop on the front stretch and do this whole thing. And, um, well, maybe it doesn't need to happen on the front stretch. So how do I do that? And still keep the fans involved. You know what I mean? So those are the things you, you need to ask yourself a lot of questions before you start making statements. And, and that's really what I did. I asked a lot of questions, probably a lot of stupid questions, but, you know what I mean? But I think we're getting, I think we have a plan and some solutions because of the questions. I know uh, Dave told me new clay, you guys are moving walls, there's fencing, there's the better surface. Uh, is, is all of that complete or is there still, is that kind of still <laughs> ongoing? Like give, give me an update on, on the track right now. Yeah. So, so you're in North Carolina. So uh, no, we have not, uh, we've moved some dirt. Um, we've got a lot of the quoting. We, we have some other things that we're trying to do as well. And, and weather is kind of a hindrance and just getting things, um, you know, when our track with it being clay, when our track gets wet, uh, it's wet for days. So you can't get a dump truck or you can't get certain pieces of equipment anywhere, even near the thing during those times. But we have moved all the dirt. We've got all the surveys done. Um, you know, we've had the, the fence guys come out, you know, they're quoting and everything. And, and, um, we're not behind the eight ball yet, but we're creeping up on it. Um, and, uh, but yes, we are, we're moving walls. Uh, just to try to make, uh, try to give turn three a little more of a clear radius. Uh, we're not moving it to change competition or anything like that. Uh, we're just moving it because right now it's kind of got some flat spots in it where it's kind of been squared off here and there. We're just trying to make it a little more racy where, you know, you can follow the radius, follow the curvature of the track a little better. Uh, we have to put fencing up because that was the deal in order to get the world of outlaws and the all-stars back. Uh, Eric Walls and Tom Devitt, great guys. We had a great meeting when they came out. And they made safety recommendations. And, you know, there, there were even a couple of things that are like, well, you know, we like the, you know, we, we like this, we don't like that. Um, you know, we were all ears to that if, as long, you know, it was safety and, and they were awesome. Like they didn't ask us anything to, you know, didn't ask us to do anything that wasn't truly viable and, and truly in the, the essence of safety. Um, so that's what we did. We, um, we made our plan around that, you know, new fence, new catch fence, do this. We have, we have some super grandeur plans about new bleachers. Uh, we're trying to get that done, but man, you can only do so much. Uh, we're also putting concrete pads in the pits for the team so that when they pit, uh, they roll their cars out on concrete, mm -hmm. uh, which is so nice because our yeah. track, man, when it rains, if you're at the track and it rains, I mean, I've left there before and literally spent two hours when I got home just spraying the mud, you know, spraying the clay out of the trailer. I'm, I'm just trying to make it, um, you know, I'm, I look at things, I think a little bit different since I'm a racer and you got to be careful. You don't want to, you don't want to chase the dragon, but, um, I, I've got a back gate customer and I got a front gate customer and, and I've got to do things for both customers. You know what I mean? Like 
I've, I've got to let the racers know I appreciate them being there. You know, they're, they're my show and I've got to get the best show that I can. And for that, I've got to give them some amenities as well as our front gate. We have a lot of things that we're doing for our front gate customers too. Um, a fan zone, things for kids to do. You know, they're just, you're up against it right now as a racetrack. You're an entertainment venue, just like, you know, like your cell phone or like your Xbox or everybody is, is up against the same thing. Why is it worth it for you to make the trip, drive an hour, drive two hours and come to, to my facility? Like, what do I have to offer you? It's not just great racing. It doesn't do it anymore. I mean, cause there's too much other stuff. So how do we do that? Well, I believe you entertain the kids, you get the kids involved, you entertain the kids, you make it fun, you make it good. Uh, and you'll have everything that you need. And that's kind of my goal is to, again, when I was talking about next level is to really just raise the bar on the entertainment value of atomic speedway week in and week out. Um, and there's some things we're doing with technology and streaming media too. We're, we're working with some partners to, you know, I want all of our visit, um, events streamed. I mean, there's, we have so many, so many plans and there's so many things that we can do, you know, outside of the brick and mortar stuff. Uh, and those are things that we're doing, but you know, that we, the pads and the pits, we're going to get that done. The fencing, we're going to get that done. Um, nothing as far as competitive to clay. Once we get the walls moved, then we'll start dumping clay. I've got a guy that is a, is a just, he's crazy. Awesome at moving dirt. Uh, he's an old school guy and, uh, we got him on board. So, uh, when we go, we're going to, we're going to make the banking similar to the way it was, you know, a few years ago, um, and go to some, some really cool, uh, ideas there, which again, I've asked Danny and, and some of those guys like, Hey, I want to, I want to have an awesome competitive surface. What do we do? How do I bring multi multiple lanes of racing? What can, what can I do there? And I'm referencing the racers, especially, I mean, when you got a guy like Danny Smith that, you know, I drive by his house every day, I'm, I'm just, I'm going to take advantage of that guy every chance I can. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we talked about the crazy schedule and you're having what about those sprint cars and late models, the USAC sprint cars, all stars, Lucas, super dirt car series, big block modifieds. It's been a couple of years since atomic, they had a Lucas show in, in 2021, but it, you know, for all these other series, it's been several years. And, and since even the yeah. all stars were, were there, what's it like when you start making those phone calls saying, Hey, what do I got to do to get you to atomic? What, you know, did you have to convince them or they were, you know, were they immediately on board? What do those conversations <laughs> look like? Um, a lot of, uh, like pretty please. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I mean it, you know, honestly, um, those guys, it was received very well. Um, again, because of the history of the track, I, I don't think it was ever an instance of where they didn't want to be there. Um, I just think there were, you know, some things in place that, you know, I think there were some bumps on the road with the relationship with those series. Um, and, um, and, and you, my whole thing was I, I needed to address what the issue was or was not. And the safety was one. And, you know, as long as they were telling me, Hey, you know, these, this, this is kind of what we think. And, and this is why the, these, these are some of the things we think atomic is so fast. And even our racers will tell you that, you know, a lot of tracks are slower. So if you, if you fall into the excuse of, well, you know, this track does this, this truck does that. Okay. But this track and that track isn't running 130 miles an hour, you know, wide open in a 410 sprint car. And a lot of guys will tell you, I mean, I have, I have really, really successful, good racers that'll tell me, you know, atomic scares me like it, because it is, I mean, and it, it doesn't take anything as tight as it is, as fast as it is at, at certain times. So we, we have to kind of architect our deal 
uh, a little differently and, and can't use the, well, this guy does it. Well, guess what? I don't want to be that guy. You know what I mean? Will we ever be a Eldora? No. You know what I mean? Will we ever be Knoxville? No. But I can still put on some awesome racing. I can build my facility up to, to maybe I can be a little better than Eldora in Knoxville in, in some levels. You know what I mean? Maybe I can offer a completely different atmosphere because they're big, prestigious, awesome facilities. Um, so I've got to make the best out of our little, awesome, fast facility. And, and how do I do that? Uh, and, and we're back to experience. And so I think by me going to them and, and just kind of, kind of hat in hand saying, Hey man, like, like what we got to do here? Like, you know, let's cut the crap, you know, let's really just, let's talk about what it is you do or don't like. And to just be quite honest, that's where, when Eric and, and Tom showed up, uh, like I said, it was a, a, a super positive meeting. They weren't in there, you know, busting chops. They weren't like, Oh, you're not this, you're not that. They're like, Hey, we'd like to see this. We'd like to see that. And I agreed with everything they said. Cause I've been around there. I mean, mm-hmm. I've backflipped over the fence in August testing. You know what I mean? Like I get it. And and it hurts. I broke my back there three years ago. And all I did was hit the top of the track with the chassis. How the guy that helped me actually ran the car that night as I'm on my way to the hospital to find out I crushed a vertebrae in my back. So, and he's like, Hey, the car was good. And I'm like, that's funny. Cause you know, then we found out later chassis was bent, you know, where it hit the, the track, but you just, um, I appreciate what I have. Uh, and I also appreciate input now is all of it valid. Uh, no, uh, you get a, a lot of opinions when you own a racetrack. Uh, and it's really funny sometimes, but when you have guys like Eric Walls, Tom Devitt and, and the powers to be come in and, and, and I'll be honest, dealing with Carlton Ramers, um, Jared Frude with the all-stars, a lot of people don't know Jared. He's kind of an administrative guy, yep. uh, super important dude though. You know what I mean? Like he's, and he's really nice. It's funny cause he's an accountant, but, uh, uh, he's a really nice guy. I met him years ago, uh, and he's been very, very helpful. Uh, and I think very influential, just the fact that I've been able to chew on his ear and, um, uh, Casey Schumann with the world of outlaws, you know, I talked to these guys and, you know, some of these other series like, uh, Chris Tilly with the Ironman series, I went and saw him at Boyd's in October. You know, he's the ones like, Hey, come down. Cause we're going to do the Bose extravaganza. We're going to bring John Snyder in do like three or four days on mother's day weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was, it was great. You know what I mean? And then I got my local guys, I've got, you know, OVSCA that shows up. I got, uh, fast. Uh, the fast series, Aaron Fry, you know, he's been super helpful. Um, and like I said, a lot of those guys, you know, they've, they've got their opinions and things that they would like to see. Um, but, um, for the most part, I, I think the track was always there and was always not, I think it was always on the whiteboard. It was just kind of down there with an asterisk. Uh, and I think we've just wiped that asterisk away and, and people are, the series guys are really excited to come back because they know that we can provide really cool racing and they know that we, uh, uh, have different things that we can do. So, um, I'm, I'm excited to, to showcase that and, and just hope we don't screw it up. That's, that's kind of where I'm at now. <laughs> yeah. You mentioned streaming in there and, and streaming is something that it has been a huge boost to the industry in the last couple of years. And, and I spent a ton of time in, in my time at world racing group working on dirt vision. So the streaming stuff is something I know a lot about. It's interesting to hear that you want all of your events streamed because it seems like when it comes to that stuff, you have very strong opinions one way or the other that, you know, either tracks love it or, or tracks hate it. And, and from, your standpoint, why is it important to you to have all of the races available online to watch? It's the way it is. Um, um, technology, um, you're, you're never going to deny or be technology. And I think with the fact that I'm in technology, I get it. Um, you know, I'm, I'm 47 years old. So the first computer I touched, you know, was an old Texas instrument, you know, where you typed in 40 lines of code and, and made a ball go across the screen. So, 
um, it's here. And, um, and it, what really, I don't want to say sucks about it because I use my terminology very, uh, <laughs> casually, uh, but it can reach so many people so quickly and then it's truly archived and you can then go back and watch that at any time, you know, at your leisure, because I don't, I don't have time. I don't half the stuff I watch is DVR. Mm-hmm. So I think it's probably my kids where, you know, I'm a guy that, you know, we have direct TV or I watch standard news. You know, I, I turn on the, you know, ABC, CBS, NBC, and I watch, you know, races or watch news or whatever. So I'm kind of old school, but I've noticed with these younger generations, it's all streaming, you know, and you know that, you know what I mean? I mean, and like our, when we did our RV trip, you know, we watched more Roku than we did anything else. Um, and everybody's going to that, you know, YouTube TV and all these different platforms, that's all streaming. It's all internet-based. Um, I have a Wi-Fi, I, I have a wireless internet service provider and I have a lot of people that don't even, you know, they do the open air antenna, but they don't even care anymore. You know what I mean? They, they watch more Netflix or more this or more that. So, um, I'm not afraid of technology because I know that I can, I can take advantage of it and I can manipulate it for, for my best interest. And I, and I know it's the way that it's going and I'm, I've got to figure out as a racetrack, you know, how do I capitalize on it? How do I make this an asset? and not feel it's a deterrent how many tracks do um, because there's a way and, and we'd better figure it out because I, I just think it's, I think it's here. So I've got to display, I got to put my best foot forward on every race. I got to show them why I'm a guy that if I'm going to go to a, a, a Reds game or a Bengals game or go watch a NASCAR race, I'm going and I'm going for the experience. That's why I'm going. Cause I want to be there. You know what I mean? Now, does that make the coverage any less value to me? No. Does it deter me from going? Nope. You know what I mean? It's irrelevant in in my mind and me as a person. Um, but that's where, that's where the streaming platforms too, it's tough for them because they know that's what the tracks are up against. So we have to kind of cover our basis a little bit. Uh, and you know, like the ones we're dealing with, they realize they've got to, you know, monetarily, there's gotta be some, some give and take there because, you know, I I can't take the chance of losing a thousand fans a night you know, do I think that's the case? No, because I think my diehards, they're coming. Um, and in the times of COVID, is there a way? And I, I think the model will change vastly when it comes to streaming and how streaming and tracks work together. Uh, because I don't think we have fully understood yet, not just the value, but the, 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 the technical aspect is one, but you know, how does everybody capitalize on it? Everybody has to make money or nobody exists. You know what I mean? And, and everybody gets that. Um, but how do we do that? You know, my whole thing is I'm going to use that technology to show everyone why you need to come to atomic. You know what I mean? There's going to be things that you're only, you're not going to get the things being thrown in the grandstands. You're not going to be a part of 50, 50. You're not going to be able to meet drivers. Um, um, you know, there's a lot of things that you can't do, but I also have to entice people to do the streaming. So our numbers are higher. So we get paid more. You know what I mean, so <laughs> it's, it's just the way it is. You know, I mean, it's like everything else we've had to deal with in the last couple of years. You adapt, um, you make the best of it. Uh, hopefully you capitalize on it, you overcome it. Um, and, and we're, I just, I'm used to evolving with technology. And I, and I think that's where I, I don't have the fear of the evolution as some of the standard business models have, where they rely so heavily on that gate. You know what I mean? They're, they got to have that 1,000, 2,000, 3,000 people in every week. And now they're petrified of what this streaming thing is going to take out of their grandstands. You know, I don't, I don't see it that way. I see it more as a, um, as an opportunity, 
You know what I mean? And, and so how do I do that? How do I broadcast to 200,000 people that are going to watch it because I have the world of out the, the, well, the world of outlaws are on dirt vision or, or all the all-stars. Okay. Well, we race every week. So how do I get you to come to my track? That's, that's how I see it. It's an opportunity for me to showcase versus a deterrent of my fans to show up. Yeah. Uh, I, I'll let you go here pretty quick. I know you're, uh, you got a lot of stuff going on, but I, I want to talk about your racing and, and how a guy that goes from pavement stuff, ARCA trucks, late models. And then one day is like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to go get in a sprint car. Explain to me that thought process and, and how it went. Some of those early first times you got in a sprint car. So when I came back to Ohio, it was almost like I was when I was in Florida, when I started, I knew nobody. You know what I mean? I was right back to freaking square one. Like I knew I didn't know anybody. And the only thing that's around here is dirt tracks. Like there's no asphalt. So if it was asphalt, I'd have been fine. You know, I could have went and got a late model and done that whole deal and it would have been great. Well, there was nothing. My thing is I'm, you know, I don't get to drink that much because I got two kids. Um, you know, thank God I'm not addicted to any drugs. I don't smoke. So I have no addiction other than racing and no matter what. So when I was back here, like I didn't know what to do. So my first bout of racing in Ohio, not running trucks or doing anything. I bought a 74 Volkswagen and started running autocross, which is freaking awesome. It mm -hmm. is so much fun. Cause it's, it's, it, it's fun. You know what I mean? It wasn't a business, you know, you know, you know how the business of motorsports, man, it'll, it'll wear you out. Mm -hmm. Um, this was a good time. You're at a fair, you know, you're having fun and all you're doing is just beating cars up and hitting jumps and, you know, having, having a blast. And it totally changed. Actually the first car I had, I got from Patrick Sheltra. Cause he ran our truck at Talladega and destroyed it. So uh, Patrick had Annie up and I ended up with one of his late models and um, drove that thing. And man, just, I didn't, I didn't like it. I didn't feel it. I don't think it was set up properly. So it wasn't good uh, for me. It wasn't a good experience. And that's why I called Andy. Cause I know Andy knew everybody when it comes to sprint cars. And I was like, Hey man, like what? I want to, I want to run something. He's like, I'll get you a sprint car. You'll love it. You know, you're, you're just dumb enough that, you know, you'll, You'll want to get in a 410. I was like, all right, cool. So I did. I just called Danny and I'm like, hey, my neighbor uh, who helps me a, a lot too, his name is Bob Tucker. Um, he helps kind of, he's a you know, real good fabricator and, and knows a lot about the mechanics of sprint cars. And, um, you know, he's the one, he saw the late model. He calls them sailboats. He's like, oh, you got to get rid of this, you know, and run sprint cars. And, and I was like, yeah, we'll see. And man, that first day I ran it, you know, the track was just stupid dusty. I, it was an atomic, you know, super slick. And I got out of there. I mean, we burnt, you know, two tires all the way down just to, to, to just bare flat. And uh, it's just, they're so much fun. They are so fun, but they're wicked. A sprint car, a 410 sprint car is, is a wicked beast. And especially when you're moving, you know, I was finally getting up to where I was running, you know, fairly competitive laps at Atomic. You know, when you're, when you're wide open at Atomic in a sprint car, you know, dragging the brake, getting in, maybe rolling off, doing what you got to do. Um, it, it is, it's fast. And, and that's where with the changes we made this year, uh, it's real important because we smoothed the track out to so the bumps, you know, you get bouncing in a sprint car, you might just end up somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, and that's kind of where my focus has been. Um, when the wall came in, uh, that was a big issue for some people when they added the wall and, and two and down the back. Um, but what I've tried to do is make the wall less relevant because, I'm trying to make the track race a little differently to where the fear of plowing into that wall has kind of gone away. And uh, so I was talking to like Cole and Rodney Duncan. Um, they've been great help. Uh, I've got great support from them. And 
you know, my whole thing is I, I want them to be less afraid of hitting that wall and worried about that fence. And, and we can do that. There's things that we can do with our racetrack to make the track um, race as safe as you can. You know, if, if you want to race and be super safe, you know, we do everything we can in these sprint cars to make them. But I mean, you, you hate to ever say it, but it's, uh, it's, it's a risk. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Running a 410 sprint car at a very fast race track is a risk and uh, it's an awesome fun risk. And I think that's what makes us all stupid that, that race them. But until you run, have you ever raced one? Have you ever no. ran a 410? No. Dude, you, dude, you should, I'll tell you what, come to Ohio when you're not doing your crazy NASCAR schedule <laughs> and, uh, and, and hop in a car, I'll, I'll, I'll get you and, and let you take one around. You'll, it, it, it is, it's insane. It's just, it's, a, it's an insane deal. It's awesome. Are, are you done racing? Or are you going to keep racing? Like, I, I know if, if we look around, obviously Tony <laughs> still races and we've got Brian Carter getting in stuff at what racing groups are, are you going to keep racing even while you're owning this racetrack? I plan to, um, last year it wasn't, well, one, I destroyed the track or destroyed my car right before. I mean, when I say destroyed, I, I should have sent you the video. So you should, you could have seen it before. Uh, cause all we had was a security video, but, um, I destroyed the car I had, but I have some more cars now and I do plan to race. Uh, but the business of the racetrack comes first because, you know, obviously the racing for me at this point is a hobby. You know, there are people that race 410 sprint cars and late models, you know, that's, that's their job. You know, there's these, these owners, I mean, it's, it's the real deal. And that was something that I had a, I, I couldn't believe, you know I mean? I didn't realize how serious the dirt track racing was. I really didn't. And, and it's, it's super serious. I mean, these guys are spending big money, you know, on not just, not just world of outlaws. I mean, all stars, you know what I mean? And you've got the Ironman series and, and the renegades and some of these other guys, and you're spending, you know, you know, hundreds of thousands, if not, you know, a million bucks, um, so it's the real deal. So yes, I do plan to run. I've just got to make sure the track is my priority and the business of the track first. But I, I haven't been on the track since we smoothed it out and I can't wait because I cannot wait, you know, just to, to, to see what everybody's talking about and, uh, you know, kind of, uh, enjoy the fruits of everyone's labor. So, uh, that's kind of, kind of my goal, but I'm absolutely, I'm absolutely, I've got a motor right now at Gressman's that's got to be picked up. I got my all pro redone. So I've got some fresh horsepower. I'm going to Daytona. I got to go to Daytona for meetings in February. And I thought about dragging the sprint car down just in case. Oh, yeah. um, but uh, I don't know. I, I can't decide. <laughs> I can't decide. Well, I'll let you go. Uh, give me, uh, before we close out, give me, give, me the, give me the elevator pitch. Why should people come check out uh, Atomic Speedway this year? Um, with our schedule and the things that we are bringing uh, back to the track, kind of back to the heyday, the 80s, uh, the racing is going to be phenomenal. Uh, we've also, we're changing up uh, the fan experience itself. We're creating a complete fan zone. We're getting a lot of our vendors involved. So there's a lot more to do at the racetrack now. Uh, we're going to have a lot more to do with the kids, like RC car racing and maybe like scavenger hunts. And so that way, when you bring the kids and, you know, kids get antsy and some kids get bored, um, you know, if mom and dad want to come and have a good time. I've got stuff for you to do. The kids want to have fun and I've got things for everyone to do at the racetrack and enjoy it as a true entertain. It's going to be like a, uh, you know, a racetrack amusement park. I mean, I'm not going to put the Ferris wheel like Daytona, but I don't know. Maybe I will. Maybe but, you can. Uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe I can. I don't know. We'll see what happens, but um, I'm just going to give everybody a lot more immersive. And I think that's why our schedule was so important because I needed to bring in those big groups of fans so that they could see and our local, I mean, our local racing isn't going away. I mean, we have, you know, we have 20 some special events and 
we also were adding camping this year. So I want the families to come for the long weekend, you know, and stay and have fun and, and, uh, just kind of see, you know, get, get out, of, get out of the house, get away from the television, get away from the devices, um, and, and get back to being outside and enjoying life, you know, as more of a traditional method of being out with the kids and the family and, and having fun. And, and I think that we can do that just like camping, just like going to the fair, just like going to the zoo. Uh, we're offering the same type of experience and, and, uh, with all the giveaways and stuff we're doing, you know, maybe you'll leave with, uh, some cool, fun, free stuff. Nice. Well, Charlie Vest, I appreciate the time today. Good luck with the racetrack. Yeah, man. I appreciate it. Take care. Maybe we'll see you soon. certainly a busy time of the year for Charlie and the racetrack, obviously a holiday week as well. So big time. appreciate Charlie for taking some time uh, and telling us more about his story and what the plans are for the racetrack. If you're an Ohio racing fan, I don't know how you're not excited by this guy taking control. Just listen to his voice. You can hear the energy. You can hear the passion he has for the racing and for the racetrack. So I think a lot of good things coming to Atomic Speedway in 2022 and beyond. So make sure uh, to get out to the track this year if you are nearby. You can find the Dirt Tracker podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or where you get podcasts. You can also watch the shows on YouTube. For more cool dirt racing stuff, visit DirtTracker.com and follow Dirt Tracker on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok.